From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour as we move along into our 24th year, which means it's the 24th year of our Catholic schools. Well, far more than that, but uh, 24th year that we've been able to introduce our Catholic schools opening on August the 15th, the Feast of the Assumption. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Leah Quackenbush, who is the new principal at St. Charles Borromeo School. Leah, good day to you. Hello, and it is a good day. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good to have you uh, uh, with us. Uh, new principal. Uh, I've been in many principal's offices uh, early in the morning. Morning, usually right after class starts, <laughs> but uh, uh, not a new principal. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'd love to. Um, so I have been involved at St. Charles for the past um, 25 years. My oldest oh, wow. son started here. So I did your natural progression and started as a room parent, PTA member, really involved in the school and the parish. My husband's family all went through um, St. Charles. Oh, I'm a wow. product of St. Philomene School. Um, so we just knew we wanted the Catholic education for our kids. That was just the one thing that we were just, that was it. You know, there's nothing that is else going to happen. So we just really dedicate ourselves. And then when um, PK started coming up, or those pre-K programs, I, was, I started the pre-K program here at St. Charles. Oh, wow. And then from then on... Like I said, like every other Catholic school worker, I was the PE teacher, then went to second grade teacher, EAS. So it kind of just built my career here at St. Charles, and it is really close and dear to my heart. I am new as principal, but have really been part of the community here. And um, one of the things I'm most most excited about is um, seeing the changes that COVID brought on and Mm -hmm. wanting to bring it back to what the school was for me when I was a parent here and what it meant me and my kids and my family, you know, I'm kind of now that we can come back on campus, rebuild that feeling for our families here on campus, because um, we've all kind of seen those changes, how people got, you know, further away, and just the connection wasn't there in society everywhere, so, right, um, right. and so stepping into the principal chair office here, that is like one of the things that really drives me, is just to make, keep St. Charles what it was for so many families. So at what point uh, did you have your credential, were you, even when you were a volunteer? So when I, um, when I started the pre-K program, I did have my bachelor's at that time in mm-hmm. child development. But wanting to go into the um, teaching, I got my credentials through USF. Oh, um, what wonderful. Their credential and master's program there, and that was um, five years ago. Uh-huh. Was um, that the so USF in Sacramento? Yes, I did the satellite. Here. Oh, how and wonderful. Went, how wonderful. I, I did go on to their cell program, their Catholic education leadership, which mm-hmm. I just, I really, I think that really brought me around of the importance on not just the education, but bringing in our scriptures and molding how we mold our students other than just in that religion class mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything that we do in, on campus. So, um, and I'm that was a program for USF as well? Yes. And what was it titled again? It's the CELL program, mm-hmm. Catholic Education Leadership. Right. And it's actually, it's an awesome program. It's, so in the summer I was on campus, but during the school year it was Zoom, but it was international. We had students from Brazil and from the Philippines. Wow. So we just really were able to get just many different perspectives. Because we can get kind of stuck in our little bubble wherever your school is. Sure. And um, especially at the elementary level. So it was really nice and refreshing just to see, like, once they leave elementary school, what other Catholic high schools are, you know, what, how they approach things. And so it was a really enlightening program. What were the challenges in, and how long ago was it in opening the, the TK? So... We opened it um, in, see, that was 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. The challenges was really how are we going to market the program? And with our limited space, it had to be a part-time because the afternoon the school would use 
the space when we had minimum days for their extended care. Mm-hmm. So how did we reach the needs of our parents um, who needed an all-day daycare? And that was like, we have to have this program that makes them want to come and start socializing and prepares them for um, that transition into kindergarten. So the challenge really was meeting the needs of parents, but also being able to offer a an affordable program. With licensing, it's a little bit more challenging because depending on how many kids, dictates how many staff you have to have. Mm-hmm. So um, that, and right now we're kind of going through that COVID um, was a bit of a setback because people have been home now, and so trying to get parents to understand the importance of a pre-K and as much as it's lovely to have your kids home and you can do so much with them, starting them in a program to help them just socialize and um, we have a virtues program with the, um, with our pre-Kers. They go to mass. So, you know, having those opportunities for them and for parents to see that, um, it's just reaching out to our community right now to um, getting our enrollment in a pre-K up. Pre-K starts at, at three or four? Um, we have a three and four program. So we uh-huh. can do part-time at three years old or it's a four-year-old. T- four five days a week and we just go till lunchtime so it's a part-time so unless they have someone that can pick them up and drop them off that's the challenging part yeah right right wow boy that's a that's a load isn't it (laughs) it is it's a lot to have to juggle yeah so what were you teaching most recently before the principal's opening came along so i was um i was eas which is our education achievement specialist, so doing pull-outs with students, working with students with IEP. Mm-hmm. Um, really what got me into there was I was second grade during um, during COVID, and it was so challenging teaching during on screen at such a critical reading age for second grade and having many different levels of readers. Mm-hmm. So after COVID hit, um, I just wanted to be that support for teachers who were in who I were in my shoes being very frustrated, like how do you serve so many different levels that are in one classroom by yourself, and what do you do with them? So it became like a turning point for me, like I want to be the support for teachers. I want to be that person that helps them, you know, with all the things I had to figure out, like how do I get the student to do it on Zoom? How do I know what they're doing? You know, and the, some of the curriculum that I, through research, have found in so that's when I stepped into the EAS role, and that was last year as vice principal also, and then came into um, the principal role this year. Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, so how did the principal's job uh, come about? Well, we had a um, – our previous principal, Antoinette Perez, was principal for eight years, and she established a – remarkable community here with support and really built up where our school was before she had came. She retired mm-hmm. and um, and had to go be grandma with her grandchildren. So we were happy for her for that, but it was kind of like, but you have been what, you know, so many of our teachers have relied on and gone to. And I worked closely with her as EAS. Um, but then when she left, we had an, um, another principal that came in that unfortunately didn't make it out, um, had to leave mid-year, like in, um, I think in February she went, um, she left, and so that's when I came in as interim principal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really felt at that point um, we just needed consistency in our school because losing the principal in the middle of the school year, we want to show our parents that, you know, we have – an awesome staff. Our faculty is so supportive. We wanted, you know, not to disrupt the learning of our students at all. So um, stepping into that was, I think, was just needed for our community at the time in our school. Um, and then when it came up to, well, applying for this, it was like, I have to say yes, it's for our school. <laughs> so, um, you know, keeping what we want in line of um, the growth of St. Charles. So, it was an easy um, answer or call to answer. I was going to say, what was the transition like for you, your your family, uh, et cetera? You know, the um, 
fortunately, right now, my all my three kids have I have moved to Chicago to pursue their education. <laughs> fortunately so, or unfortunately, yeah. Uh, I always say either the, you know there's one of the two things. I did such a good job making them independent and ready for right. adventure that they're going, or I drove them crazy enough that they're <laughs> like, "We're out of here. We're going." far away that you can't just pop in so yeah. whatever you want yeah, we, we, my wife and i have four in college this year and uh we just uh, you know the last one the senior in high school is now now a freshman in college well we'll be you know in the next couple of weeks and next month and uh it's it's such a different feeling it's one that you never thought was going to come yeah, it's, it's it the is. same thing. I think we need to start a GoFundMe page. <laughs> I know. Well, and it, it does make it so exciting when we go to see them. I like yeah. just the excitement to see their faces and sure. to be with them when they come home. So, you know, it, it is true that, you know, it, you appreciate it when it's not there. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you want it. You know, you you want them to spread their wings and fly. You know, and uh, uh, everything you did all through their childhood led up to led up to this. In, in addition to a whole bunch of other things, but yeah, but, uh, I, I know we used to always there'd be some you know like a a first word or a first step or uh, all those things, and you'd say, can we just dear lord can we just freeze this moment can we just stay in this moment forever and then you go well yeah but if we had frozen that moment we wouldn't have gotten this moment you know that's true i i do find myself telling parents that when they when there's just like those little moments you see i'm like cherish it cherish yeah, it cherish it i'm just like yes and i you know as the principal too when um teachers come up like they have things going on i'm like family first absolutely because years right. from now, you're not going to remember what you taught in that class on yeah. November, whatever, but you'll remember being at that recital or whatever. Yeah, it is exactly. That so it's like, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, so when they moved away, it was my husband and I, and we, so we got a dog. Like, <laughs> we need something to occupy us. Um, and it, it's been, a, he's been, my husband, David, has been very supportive because he understands the late night, especially the first year. Yeah. And the things, and so, and you know, I'm like, okay, put on your calendar. You're going to the Reno trip with our fundraiser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> put on your calendar. You know, we have our family mass. So, um, I think it's such a big difference when you have that positive support too, because you sure. know you are sacrificing that family time and you know rolling in sometimes late. And I lay on the couch, my dad just don't even have the brain power to have a conversation right now, and sure. um, you know, and just allowing me the time to, to figure this out. But I do keep my Saturdays completely, you know, just for family. Like, that's the one day I don't do any work and just dedicated to quality time, not preoccupied time. Because personally, I need that break, too. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, but, absolutely. You know, tending to, you know, the family, too, is, is important. So professionally, the difference between, you know, being in the classroom every day and preparing for the classroom every day, compare that to being a, to being a principal in terms of the, the job duties and the responsibilities and the prep and all that. You know, and the, the exhaustion at the end of the day is pretty much the same. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, you know, the, the, the day of the principal is a day of interruption. Mm-hmm. So when I, at least when I come to work and I feel like I got to get this and this done, um, and I'll go, ah, I feel really accomplished. I got three things done. Oh wait, there's like 15 more things that still need to get right. done. Um, whereas in the classroom, you were, you know, isolated in your room with your kids, and you just had this little bit more of that freedom to mm-hmm. go off script a little, or like, oh, you know, we're going to change it up and do this. Um, you know, and then being able to really allow yourself at the end of the day, go, you know, I'm turning off school and I'm going to just relax or on the weekend and turn it off because you kind of know what the next week's coming. Right. But as principal, you know, you can tell yourself, I just need a break. But you're in the back of your mind, you're like, but this really needs to get done because if this doesn't get done, then who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, as the responsibilities in that classroom is just a little bit more focused on those individuals. And I used to love, love that. I came to school every day, just, I'm not a morning person, but I, but I loved coming to work. <laughs> getting, the actual getting up from bed was the challenge, but not the fact that I was coming in 
to be a teacher, you know, because I just was excited to see them. They were just excited to be there. And that second grade age was my favorite. Um, you know, and now coming into principal, I'm like, okay, let's see what the day brings. Mm-hmm. You just never know. But I do, the one thing I do enjoy is now being able to go to all the different classrooms. Mm-hmm. And being here so long, I see the eighth graders and seventh graders who I've had some of them when they were younger. And, you know, those relationships have built them. And so just seeing the, them grow and how they develop is almost like the parent when they sit back and they're like, wow, I remember when you used to just do this. And now look at this amazing stuff you're doing. Um, you know, and I still remind them, like, mm-hmm, I remember the things you used to do when you were then, too. So I have the goods on them in both ways. So can, do, do you have a typical day? Um, you know, it's hard to say right now because coming in at the end of um, last year, I really tried to make sure I was um, in classrooms with students mm-hmm. to assure them, like, what was going on. So the typical day was mainly um, I made sure every day I was on the playground at their morning recess, also to give teacher breaks, but just to see students, just to kind of make sure that I'm um, – kind of keep an eye on them because, you know, there's always the ones you just want to check in on and just kind of have a you make sure everything's going okay. Um, over the summer, the typical day is coming in and sitting at my desk and, like, doing the checklist to get ready for school. So I am more excited, so excited to get students on campus. They're a good distraction to sometimes those list of things that have to get done and reports and things that we have to sit at a desk for. Um, so the typical day is really during when school and is making sure I have talked to every teacher, checked mm-hmm. in with every mm-hmm. teacher, and at least visit at least four of the classrooms. Wow. And w- when you go into a classroom, um, obviously you don't want to intimidate a teacher or uh, make them feel, you know, like, oh, i got to perform now. How, okay. how, how is that? Well, you know, I pop them so often, it doesn't even phase them sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and some of them will stop, like, and look at, is there something I need or they need? And mm-hmm. I just going to wave off, like, just continue on. Um, and a lot of the times, I love it because when you walk in, you have the kids that give you that quiet little smile and that wave, like, hello. You know, and I mm-hmm. try not to be disruptive because I'm just popping in. And sometimes it's to observe the teacher and sometimes it's to observe the students to see who anyone I need to be checking on. Um, but it happens so often now um, that I don't think they, some don't even notice when I'm in there or one of the students will say, oh, good morning, Mrs. Quackenbush, and then it kind of snaps the teacher, like, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think, and that comes with popping in so often, it's not a, oh, who's in trouble? <laughs> right, right. No, it's just, good morning and carry on. Um, you know, and sometimes I'll pop in and just ask questions and see what they're up to, um, you know, what they're excited for. So, And they all just love to share. So it comes like, okay, one more, and then I have to go because I could interrupt your class for like a half hour. Mm-hmm. So what what's the hardest part of the job? You know, sometimes the hardest part is making the decisions that um, really takes in everyone's perspective. Um, I... You know, I know that I have my perspective, what I think may be um, the right solution to things, but I do consult a lot with my um, leadership committee and the um, the staff because I tell them, you know, it's easy for me to say something, you know, this is how it should be done, but you guys are in the classroom. You guys are kind of like the real world workers here, and, you know, I want to be respectful to you and find solutions that work for both of us because mm-hmm. the outcome has to be the same for our students. Um, I think that is the challenge that I I put on myself because I want to make sure my staff is heard and I don't want it to seem like these are just policies and or procedures that are thrown in for no reason and just to do, but um, make sure it works for them too in a, in a way that um, they understand that it usually comes from a need of the school or it comes from um, just in the long run, it'll be in the best interest of everyone. Um, the second most um, ch- 
challenging that doesn't leave my mind is fundraising and just finding the, um, the funds to support a lot of our families. We have a lot of financial aid families mm-hmm. that receive funds, and it's heartbreaking at times when I have to come down to these decisions because I do, I do honestly feel, um, you know, Catholic school has to be for everyone. Right. There's not, right. there doesn't have to be this, um, you know, status to come to a Catholic school. It's meant for everyone, and it's, it's about God first, and we want as many of those. And, um, but, you know, like, it's still cost to run a school, and how yeah, do I a real, balance it, that? It, it's, it's, a, it's a real difficult dilemma if you will to to think you know i mean we don't we don't charge people to go to mass you know and 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 uh, obviously and and yet uh catholic schools are so important and and yet because of cost we we don't have you know have anywhere near 100 percent uh catholic kids going to catholic schools but there's it's got to be paid for you know it's just the way that's the way the world works and it's it's yeah. it's a real it's a real difficult thing. It is, and I see these fam. You know, I the families that uh, apply, and, I'm, and what goes to my heart is like, this is this is why Catholic schools are here for for families like this, mm-hmm. for these faithful families that dedicate everything, and they're here at the parish doing work, and they're here. I'm like, I like if I say no, then like, who am I serving then? Like, what is who am I supposed to serve mm-hmm. if it's not the ones that are coming? for help because this is so meaningful to them. Right. Um, you know, but I do also, I rely heavily on prayer. For that right. And, right. and I do feel like, and I've had conversations with our pastor, Father Oscar, you know, I just, it almost feel like this moral judgment sometimes deciding money. And that's the hardest part. But I go back to when I, before I worked here, we were single income family with three kids and we put our three kids through elementary school and Catholic high school and we shouldn't have been able to. Mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't in the the books for us, but help came when we needed it. People were there when we needed it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's the faith that I go off of. I sh- I shouldn't be sitting here when my parents put us through Catholic school, but you know, it it works out. We just have to have faith and pray for that. Um yeah, and so that's what I heavily rely on. <laughs> yeah, well, the the power of prayer for for sure. So, in, in all the years you've been involved, starting you know back as a, a volunteer, if you if you walked into a classroom today, whether it's the way the classroom looks, whether it's the curriculum, how the day is run, would it be very similar to to what it was when you were a volunteer years ago, or would it be just What's the difference? If you know, the difference that I, I see is um, our classrooms are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, when my kids were here, I, there was 35 students sitting in the classroom, and at that time, the nuns were still here. Right. And it would be silent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the nun could come out to talk to me at the door, and it would stay silent. <laughs> there would be like... <laughs> No talking at all. It was just like, and then you would watch kids walking down the hallway, silent. <laughs> it, was, mm-hmm. it was kind of that old school um, Catholic school when, when we first started here. Yeah. Um, but the classrooms were, at the time, your typical everyone in rows, everyone facing the board, um, you know, very uniform that way. Now when you walk in, um, it's much brighter and colorful. Kids are in pods or there's flexible seating. So I think there's like that sense of there's addressing needs of other students, and they're not all the students are going to learn exactly the same sitting in their seat looking forward. Um, so I think that has come, um, that is one of the changes that you see in the classroom. Just it's um, more of a fun learning environment. Not that it wasn't fun when, you know, right. 27 years ago, but. Um, there, it was it was a little bit more uniform in all the classrooms. It's exactly the same back then, <laughs> um, you know. But that's a good thing because every school has. We don't want to say stay exactly the same after twenty seven years. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, it's it's it it does it does trench. I, I know why. Occasionally, I'll MC something for a diocesan event, and uh, you know, you stand up. People are having dinner, or you know, and they're making noise and the clank of forks. And I'm going, I'm never going to get them to quiet down, you know. And <laughs> they're looking up there, saying, "Who's that guy at the microphone?" You know. And then I introduce the bishop. <gasps> Boom! Silence. A- attention <laughs> you know it's like yes. it's, i know so you're talking about the nuns i know what you're talking about yeah yeah we used to always joke like how catholic guilt used to get you far when we were young yeah yeah now it's like pretty much the mom or the mom guilt like do i need to call your mom yeah right <laughs> <laughs> or it was like jesus god's watching you know us we're like okay oh you know always watching now it's like the Catholic guilt isn't as as strong <laughs> strong as it was, and I'm like, we need to get back to that. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, we <laughs> we, we need more Catholic guilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny. I think that was a strategy back then. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, oh, yeah. I, I I love when I when I talk to school principals and uh, you know our superintendent here, Kitty, and. Uh, uh, all the other people, they say, you know, our number one goal is to get all these kids to heaven, you know, and it's yes. it's such a it's such a simple, beautiful goal. Yes, yeah, you know, and I what well, some of the conversations that I had with Father when I'm taking the position, and you know, I wanted to know like, what are your expectations of your principal running your school? And you know, we were on the same page, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You're talking to your 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 pastor. Um, and it is really evangelizing youth to let them know, like, this is, like, this is not just your religion class. You're not just this way at school. Like, this is who you're going to be. This is what you're going to continue to grow as. Yep. And ultimately, just be that good human being in the world that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure between now and the 15th, you've got a lot of work to do. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Uh, don't Thank be a stranger to this program. If, if you okay. are ever have, having a festival or anything and you need some publicity, uh, give us a give us a shout. Oh, and Okay, that sounds great. Uh, yeah. if, if you have a kid that's doing something that you think would be might be interesting to our audience, uh, we'd love we'd love to have some of the kids on, too. Oh, thank you for that. Yes, I, I will for sure keep that in mind because we just have some, you know, we're in South Sacramento, so I always call us the diamond in the rough here. <laughs> we're just like, mm-hmm. we're just a small community here, but it is so precious. And we're small but mighty, and um, we have some great talent here. So I, I love that invitation, and I will take you up on it. <laughs> well, we're serious. We would love we, we love it when we get some of the kids on. And it doesn't have to be the straight-A student either, you know, the, the, they're all kinds of kids doing all kinds of things, and they're all yeah. all made in the image and likeness of God. So exactly. we, yeah. we love them all. Well, thanks so much, and our prayers Thank you. Uh, our prayers go with you for a, a great school year. Please. Always, always. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Never help. Perfect. Thanks, Leah. God bless. All right. Thank you. Have a yeah. wonderful day. Yeah, take care. That's uh, Leah Quackenbush, who is the uh, new principal at St. Charles Borromeo, and uh, lucky to have her. And uh, uh, and again, we'll put that word out to everybody. Really, uh, you know, if, if if you're involved in the Catholic schools, or even if you're not, uh, but if you if you know of uh, students that are doing, they don't have to be doing something extraordinary. Maybe they're doing something a little bit different, or something interesting, something out in the community, or, or maybe they won some major award or minor award, or or maybe they're just uh, really really working hard. We we want to hear about them too, and we'll be happy to to uh, do a show with some of those kids. So we always look forward to the academic decathlons and some of the speech contests and the pro-life uh, speech contests. So um, give us give us a call here or uh, send us an email. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. 
Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates.
This is Deacon Kevin Stasko, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Deacon Kevin, and thanks for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and also thanks for that wonderful introduction. Well, we're uh, pleased to welcome in Javier Gerena, uh, who is here to tell us about a wonderful workshop coming up. Did I, did I uh, butcher your name badly enough? No, you were very gentle. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how many times do you ha- a day do you have to tell people how to pronounce your last name? I I don't keep track anymore. So <laughs> I just, I just uh... <laughs> that's great. Well, yeah, appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to be with us. Tell tell us about this great workshop that's coming up. I uh, yes. So I'll be there in your beautiful city of Sacramento. Um, August the 12th, coming up Saturday. So it's a a workshop to prepare lay people in the church to provide a great assessment for couples that are about to receive the sacrament of marriage. Just what we generally call marriage prep. Marriage prep. Tell us, um, um, now this this is not for people that are planning marriage, this is for people who will help people planning marriage. Exactly, yeah. So the people that work in the parishes that they're doing a marriage preparation, in in marriage preparation, my wife and I have been doing marriage preparation for over 16 years, so we we facilitated over 2,000 couples. And I think it can be, it can be uh, uh, difficult, and with this, uh, assessment, uh, preparing a rich, you are certified as a facilitator to use that assessment as a tool to start creating that rich conversation that you're going to have um, with a couple, right? So it's a, it's a great tool for like people that are working on marriage, but or at the same time, uh, people that, that are looking to help and support uh, couples that are about to get married as well, right? Right. So, what are what are the biggest challenges in in marriage prep from from a standpoint of a facilitator? You know, for somebody who's who's you know teaching or instructing, uh, guiding the marriage prep uh, course. Um, yes, I I was thinking about that, and, and it's funny. Maybe perhaps we are connected in a way, right? Or the Holy Spirit planted that that question that I I for. For a minute, I was thinking. I go. I think. I think he's going to ask me that question. And one of the things that I was reflecting on as well. I mean, I think having this assessment and facilitating this conversation is great. But one of the things that I found uh, difficult is um, how do we build uh, the spiritual foundation for the couples? Mm-hmm. Right. How do we? make sure we emphasize the importance of, of building a very strong spiritual foundation, right, for the couples. How we, in a way, show the couples how to pray together, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, how to, how to attend church services. And also, um, how, as a couple, we can study the Bible together. Mm. That's one of the things that I... My, my wife and I, we talk about how can we communicate and show the importance of doing those three things together, right, for your marriage as well. And also building community in your parish as well. Right? Like I tell a couple, hey, you're getting married in the church. It's not just one thing. It's not just one visit. <laughs> it's a constant uh, relationships that you're going to have with your your parish. So I think that's one of the biggest the biggest challenge that I see, right? Because other things, it's you just giving them content like you know communication skills, conflict resolution, finances, intimacy, right? Uh, finding a support system, and those are things that the couples have questions. Right, and they're thinking about, okay, well, how can I get better, or how can I, you know, work on those those topics? But I 
I don't see couples thinking, hey, how am I going to build a stronger spiritual foundation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you can put God at the center of your marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the people that are facilitating this, uh, we also also talk about, and I was talking about in the workshop, how your testimony, like a lot of, a lot of people facilitating this assessment might think, well, I don't know if I have the right tools, right? We always question ourselves, are we a good Catholic, right? Are we, are we good enough, right? And I think one of the most uh, powerful tools that we have in our toolbox is our testimony. Our testimony is, is a couple, right? A married couple um, can really help those couples uh, build build that spiritual foundation. And like you say, having God in the center of your of your marriage. Tell us how the the work uh, the workshop is August twelfth, eight a.m. to two uh, thirty p.m. here at the the Pastoral Center, twenty one ten Broadway in uh, downtown Sacramento. Uh, tell us uh, how how the the workshop is run. Yes, so I like to keep my workshop very um, very interactive. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of interaction uh, with other other people participating in the workshop as well, and also uh, sharing uh, best practice. I believe in the collective wisdom of the group. Uh, so it's not just me putting uh, a beautiful PowerPoint presentation on a screen and and you just taking notes. It's more about you know diving into the content, having a lot of interaction among the wonderful people attending the workshop as well, and then at the same time gathering some of the knowledge out there, right? Because I I believe there's a lot of people there that have a lot of great ideas, have a great experience, so they came across situations that other people can can benefit from. So that's the, the format of, of the workshop. And and this is for couples, correct? Yes, yes. Um, they can attend as a couple, or they can, one person can attend as well and get, and get uh, certified as well. So it depends on how are you currently doing this marriage prep? Are you doing it together as a couple? Uh, are you assessing the, um, the, the couples on, on a one basis? Um, so that, that depends. So it's open for couples, and it's, it's also comp- uh, open for, for individuals as well. So who are you looking for to come to this? Um, I... I'm looking for, and that's a great question. I, I think I want, I'm looking for people that are very passionate about helping couples um, and, and prepare couples. Uh, because I, I think there is, uh, there is that, that excitement of serving, right? Um, and and, and I w- I'd love to see people that have been doing uh, marriage prep for a long time, and, and now they're getting a, an additional tool that can enhance that, that experience at that marriage prep. So that's, those are the people that I'm looking for. Exciting people, right? Happy people that want to take that. Um, not the traditional person that goes and says, oh, well, another training, another workshop, another, mm-hmm. another tool. I want people to be excited because this is exciting. I think... Um, I've been using this for a long time, in, in uh, six years, and uh, and I I get excited when I get the uh, the reports, right? The the assessments for the couples, and we have that dive, uh, we dive into the conversation. Have as as you do these workshops, have be because of COVID, did did we lose some volunteers? Did we lose people? In the days, I think with COVID, I did it virtually, um, and and that's how I got to know the the office of Sacramento. Moses was um, was one of the persons that we we did it virtually. That's how we got to 
very interactive virtually. I think now people are, are more open uh, to, to attend in person. I think obviously there's nothing like uh, attending a workshop in person. Uh, so we've seen the numbers increase now, but I do also offer this uh, virtually as well. Obviously, we, we change some of the dynamics and interaction where in person becomes more, more uh, human. I can call it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So, so once a person uh, takes this now, now there'll be a certification from this workshop. Yes, we we definitely get a they get a, a really nice certificate. They're welcome to take a picture as um, as I'm giving the mm-hmm. certificate. So once they get certified, they become uh, a certified facilitator for preparing the rich. So they have the tools um, to, to really uh, help the couples that want to take the assessment. So they get, obviously, they get the facilitator uh, package where it give you, gives you ability to, to set up assessments for the couples, um, be part of the uh, community of Prepared and Rich as well, and, and have additional information as well to, to enrich the couples. So once a person, obviously the, the, the people who would come to the workshop, they're not just going to come to the workshop. They're coming to the workshop because they want to become, uh, 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 you know, to actually to run marriage prep in, the, in their yeah. parish. What is, what's required within the, uh, you know, the parish? What, what are they signing up for, if you will, in terms of, of being a marriage prep facilitator? Um, so they're signing up to, to become a, a, a facilitator, right, to facilitate right. the assessment for, for the couples as well. So that's what, that's what they're signing up as well. And I think uh, additionally to that, I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's a great tool. Um, I, I also work with the Diocese of Jose, and we, we also are using this. Is, um, is, is a first step before they dive into a more marriage prep um, workshop for the couples. Um, I think the assessment doesn't, doesn't eliminate the marriage preparation component to it, which I think is very important. I think what it does, it kind of brings uh, the couple to get to know each other even better and see the areas uh, for potential growth before they attend the marriage prep workshop that perhaps the parish is gonna is gonna run, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's an uh, it's a great tool to have prior for these couples to attend their marriage prep. So what's the the I guess I guess my question is more is is in terms of once you are a marriage prep facilitator, what do you, what what are the requirements in terms of uh, time and and et cetera? So, so the requirements uh, obviously is the workshop that you're going to do with me. That's the time that you're committing to yourself. Right. Um, and and then from there, obviously, there is um, the support that I provide, and, and also I believe is how how you are going to utilize this within your parish, right? Um, how you're going to tell couples, well, you need to take the prepare and enrich assessment first and have a facilitation uh, with me, uh, uh, a time with me. Uh, and then we get, and during the workshop, I will get into the more detail um, in regards to, to, okay, once you get certified, hey, I'm a certified facilitator, I, I, I spend the time with Javier, I went through the whole process, which are the requirements, um, how you want to utilize this, right? How you can spend, because you can use this tool to, to really go really far, or you can use it to provide that pre-step um, for the couples before they're going to be attending um, a marriage prep workshop that perhaps the parishes I'm going to, to put together. 
So that's the beauty of the workshop as well, that I, uh, I kind of work with you and say, okay, how are you going to implement this, right? And also get ideas from the different uh, members of the different parishes that they're going to be attending. What are, the, what are the toughest questions you get asked at these workshops? Um, I think the toughest question is how do we really uh, break the ice with the couples? Because mm -hmm. when, we're, when you are together with a bunch of couples, I think it's easier to kind of facilitate the session. But when you are having a one-on-one -on -one with the couples, how we build trust in the couples to really start having a conversation with us. Um, how do we address conflict during that facilitation that we're going to do? There might be couples that feel uncomfortable for some of the uh, answers that one of the others are saying. How we deal with the conflict? Um, how we make it fun and interesting, right? How we keep us as a facilitator uh, not being right, not being seen like we favor one or the other one, right? We need to make sure that we <laughs> we're in the middle. <laughs> we don't favor one person or the other one. So those are the questions they ask me, which are great questions um, to to really uh, get really good at facilitating this conversation. Right? This must be you. You travel all over the country. Um, only West Coast. I have two beautiful, yeah, two beautiful daughters and two beautiful brides, and obviously I have the queen of my castle, and I really appreciate my, I, I really love my time at home. So <laughs> yeah, you're, where, you told me before where you're located. Where are you? I am in, in beautiful wine country. Uh, I am in the other wine country that a lot of people go to, so I am very close to uh, San Luis Obispo. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. That's a great wine country. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, that whole that whole uh, Central Coast area, and it's just, boy, I I, I sometimes think God made the Central Coast first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I really I really enjoy. Um, the beautiful gifts that God has created for yeah. us. And when you come here, you see that. And yeah, yeah it's definitely right. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful area. Well, uh, greatly appreciate that you taking the time to uh, speak with us. And, and, and uh, everybody's looking forward to you coming up here on August the 12th. And so, uh, uh, Godspeed, best wishes, and uh, uh, just God's blessings on, on uh, your workshops and, and all the great work you do. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you again soon, uh, Javier Jarena. Uh, uh, again, the workshop is Saturday, August 12, 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Pastoral Center of the Diocese of Sacramento, 2110 Broadway. Uh, the cost is $100 per couple, but there are scholarships available. That includes all your materials. Uh, learn the skills you need to joyfully accompany couples as you journey with them through numerous marriage life topics and statements. You'll also receive access to prepare an, the prepare an enriched website, customer service, and Catholic manuals to assist your conversations with both engaged and married couples. Uh, to sign up, you can go to, uh, you can call it Moises de Leon. Moises is at 916-733-0133. You can send Moises an email, M. de Leon, that's D-E-L-E-O-N, M. de Leon, at scd.org. SCD stands for Sacramento Catholic Diocese. Just about anything you want to know about the Diocese of Sacramento, go to scd.org and all the, all the events and all the news and all the workshops will pop up. You can also uh, register at scd.org backslash marriage prep. That's probably the easiest way to, to do it. Um, so it should be a, a great event, August the 12th, 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We see.